Ladies and gentlemen, faithful listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. With us this week, we're joined by Mr. Mike Miller of the Creekside Wildlife, the Creekside podcast, and Mike Miller Outdoors page. Mike is a local guy to me, and I've been after him for a while to come through on the show. I think you guys are really going to enjoy the conversation that comes from this episode. Um, I think that that there's going to be some collaboration going on moving forward between me and Mike on a couple things, so look out for that coming ahead. Um, We talk a little bit about the start of the Creekside Wildlife that that he has going on, love-hate and relationship with filming, and a trail camera ban, and a hunting reset, as well as some state changes we'd like to see within our beautiful lands here in Pennsylvania. Uh, If you guys have any questions for Mike, feel free to reach out to him. Guys, he's super knowledgeable, one hell of a turkey killer if I've ever seen one. And uh, he, he really knows some land pot stuff. So if you have questions about doing some agricultural things, he can definitely help you out with that. As well as, you know, me and him are getting pretty excited moving into deer season here. And you can tell it in this conversation. He also has a photography business. So if you guys need any wedding needs for photography or maybe some other stuff, uh, maybe some baby pictures or family pictures, get a hold of him, guys. Uh, give, him your ch- give him a chance to, to do business with you. I'm sure he'll greatly appreciate it. And uh, I think he does a little bit of apparel stuff on the side. So I hope you guys really enjoy this episode as much as him and I did. Thank you, guys. God bless. We'll see you soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. Guys, this week I'm joined by Mike Miller, and I've been bothering him here for probably like a month. And uh, turkey season came, and he was on a milk cart, and nobody could find him anywhere. So... I finally got the time to sit down with him here, and it's been a long time coming, but Mike, how are you, brother? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm great. And, you know, we were we were chopping it up before we come on, and I said right before we come man, I'm going to lose my voice in this one. I swear to God, <laughs> I know I am. Um, yeah, I said you better hit record. We're, we're talking about a lot of stuff that <laughs> I know, man. maybe and people you know, want to hear. Maybe you know, they don't. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, they do. Trust me, they do. Um, but, you know, what's funny is I swear to God, every time... Like before we get on the podcast, I always chop it up too much and I get to talking and, and I need to pull uh, uh, a card out of some other guys' books on the podcast thing where they just click record and then uh, they start recording like a lot of shit before their conversation. But yeah, um, you never know. Who knows? We might hurt somebody's feelings if we do that. But yeah, um, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Mike, I want you to introduce yourself, brother. Uh, who are you? And, and let me know like what kind of what projects and stuff you got going on in the, in the brand that you have, and then we'll chop it up into some other stuff. Yeah. Um, Mike Miller, like you said, um, I guess my company would be Creekside Wildlife. Um, we started a podcast and a YouTube channel this year. Um, very fresh and rookie to the whole YouTube and podcast world. Um, Mm -hmm. But we kind of just decided, you know, I got, I, all my friends and family just tell me it it was the perfect thing for me because I just like to talk a lot. So <laughs> well, welcome <laughs> so, to my world too. <laughs> yeah, so it, it seemed pretty pretty easy. Um, good friends of mine from uh, the Harrisburg area mm-hmm. started a podcast about eight seasons ago, um, Rutten River Pursuits. Mm-hmm. So I've been helping them out kind of behind the scenes and been on their show a time or two. And um, them being a couple hours away, I was never really able to be a, a sole member of their podcast. So, yep. um, you know, Will is the 
friend that's kind of behind the scenes or, you know, the star of the podcast down there, I guess. The other guys will probably get mad at me for saying that, but um, you know, him and him and I are good friends. We hunt together. Um, and him and I always talked about, you know, me starting my own podcast and, and we finally, finally pulled the trigger. I actually had the equipment for over a year before I actually recorded the first episode. Um, I kept telling him, I was like, I got all the content. I, I know how to run the stuff. I know who I want to be on like the first 20 episodes, <laughs> but I just needed a name. Right. It, it was the worst thing. Like <laughs> it took me forever to come up with a name. And finally we literally just came up with Creekside because my parents live along Clover Creek, which okay. is a whole debate you can listen to in, in our first episode, the Crick versus Creek debate. <laughs> but um, so we came up with Creekside Wildlife and, uh, you know, I, I didn't want it to be like, you know, Mike Miller's hunting or Mike right. Miller's fishing or, you know, because yeah. literally we, me and the guys in the group, we are always doing something outdoor related, whether it's hunting, fishing, trapping, you know, we're getting ready to start rattlesnake hunting here next weekend, mm-hmm. um, you know literally anything you can do outside. So, um, seemed like the name fit pretty well, but so we're slowly getting started with the YouTube stuff and, you know, just getting everybody kind of meshed together as a group and working on camera stuff, camera gear. You know, we we have a few new guys to the camera world that, um, are stone cold killers, but haven't ran cameras. So we're, we're trying to get them in you know, mesh together with us, but it's, it was fun. We, uh, we had a heck of a turkey season between the group. Uh, me, not so much, but you said at the beginning about me being on a milk carton. Well, the turkey I was chasing was on a <laughs> milk carton too. I had one heck of a, heck of a season, but, uh, now that it's all over, you know, looking back at, it was a pretty cool season, you know, overall, um, yeah. I ended up finally getting my bird after, 15 days or so of hunting. Um, my girlfriend, Allison and my dad got the double up on long beards on opening day. I got that on film. Uh, I was part of a couple other hunts. One of my good friends, Trent, uh, called in a long beard for him. And I think that was about it for my experiences this year, but we had, uh, as a group Creekside, I don't quote me on this, but I think it was something like 32 or something nice. turkey kills as a Man, group now a now lot. we have like eight or ten guys but um you know i think we got 20 of them on film so um next year we'll be slowly releasing those yeah come december january you know but yeah we got a lot of big plans so yeah. now you i mean you guys are on it man you you if you're if you're killing that many birds you know i i know this year at least for me I wasn't able to do a lot of turkey hunting. I, I probably maybe could have made more time, but, you know, I as you know, my wife and I welcomed a little girl, and i just been team no sleep, and, <laughs> um, you know, I've been trying to fish. Just that way I can kind of run right back home if, yeah. if it's too much for her uh, and our other little girl at the same time. It's like having a hurricane and a tornado at the same time, but <laughs> um, I'm, I'm getting used to it. I love it. It's, it's yeah. awesome, but I do want to talk about your bird, man. I want to jump right into it, and uh, let us let us in on your season here. Let me know about this all-elusive bird that you were chasing and this, <laughs> this, this thunder chicken that we all love so much. Yeah. Um, 
Well, we can start with opening day. Um, last year, my dad had basically the season that I did this year. Um, he is obviously one of the biggest reasons I got into hunting so much. Um, for the last 15 years, probably, he's been basically tagged out in the first week. Um, his work schedule allows him to hunt a lot during the spring. So um, he's just always had a really good time getting getting tagged out pretty quickly well last year was not at all that way so without going into too much detail of that whole season um i decided you know opening day him and allison are on the gun first i didn't even take a gun and i took the camera um and those two were able to tag out allison's first long beard which was cool um last year was her first year hunting anything damn and so, uh, she got to shoot a Jake the first day and, um, on her own accord, I guess she said, you know, I want to shoot a long beard. I don't want to shoot a Jake this year. So I said, okay, cool. Like we'll, we'll wait till you get a shot at a long beard. And we just happened to make it happen on opening day. But so then basically from the second day on, I, basically got my butt kicked by every turkey I came in contact with. Mm -hmm. Um, now this, not a lot of people know this cause we didn't release this video yet, but, um, I missed one with my bow on Monday, the Monday of Turkey season. Uh, probably some of the best Turkey footage I've ever had. Uh, we called these three long beards in the whole way across a 250 yard open cut cornfield. And, they came right into 25 yards. And I said at the beginning of the year, I said, if I'm going to be in a ground blind, I want to do it with my bow. I shot one with a bow last year. So, you know, it wasn't new to me, but of course these birds came in and they, they got a little goofy from the decoys and they kind of hung up at like 25 yards. And, and I just, just missed, um, easily could have been a double with the shotguns, but and of course we captured it all on film. We had three angles at the decoys, two cameras in the blind, just everything you could ask for, except for connecting on the shot. But mm -hmm. so it's my own fault that I didn't fill both tags, but you know, it is what it is. It was a cool hunt. But so then I guess from Tuesday on Tuesday, I'm not sure of the date, but whatever the, the first Tuesday was until, uh, it was 13 days in a row. I hunted the same area, which, um, we determined had two different birds in it, but, um, it was just some public land behind my dad's house and we had some cameras in there. Um, just birds showing up here and there. And, and it was just one thing after another, like we would go here, they would go there. They were gobbling every day. Um, I was talking to other people that we're hearing birds that were just gobbling like once or twice and shutting up. But mm -hmm. these birds, I know the one day had to gobble 300 times. It was from five 30 in the morning till quarter to 10. Damn. It was just nonstop gobbling, but they now, just, they didn't they, want to, were they, were they, were they moving or were they just, cause I know like I've, I've been around them even when they're not even hend up and for whatever reason it's like they just kind of congregate in like a feeding area and they'll just yeah. they'll just pound and pound and pound. Yeah, and and that's what I think was going on here and and like, you know, 
without seeing them, you're trying to figure out what you think's going on and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just strutted back and forth all these days, and it and it was one of them deals where, you know, every time we would move on them, they would move somewhere else. I got and, you. And I'm talking a 400-yard circle for 13 days that I stayed in. And it didn't matter where I went. He was always like one step ahead of me. <laughs> and one of our cell cams was on, on a bench um, up in the mountain where it got pretty steep. And, and they were roosting not too far from this. But um, the the final straw, I guess, was, you know, talking with all the guys in our Creekside group chat. I said, you know, I don't know what else to do, guys. Like, I'm running out of options here. And and I said, they're always on this one camera, you know, at some point. So I just decided I'm going to go in there and just set up and, and sit and hunt them like a whitetail. I mean, it's obviously not the most glorious, right? you know, not the greatest footage. But <laughs> at that point, that bird was under my skin. You know, my dad's telling me, go somewhere else. Like, you know, try something different here. And I was like, I can't, like, I can't picture going somewhere else when I know that thing's going to gobble there tomorrow morning. So you were just obsessed. (laughs) Yeah. And I've literally, I've never got like that with a turkey before, but it just got under my skin. And I, I, you know, every night I would tell Allison, like, well, I'm going to go behind dad's again. I don't know why you're doing that. You know, you need to go somewhere else. But finally that night, um, you know, we, we went up and we roosted him. He gobbled in the tree that night. Um, and I knew right where he was going to be. So I, I got up in there super early and I just planned on sitting there and just kind of playing it. Like, you know, like I said, like a whitetail and I, I didn't put out a decoy. I think I had a mouth call with me, but I don't think I ever made a single call. And, you know, even knowing everything I knew, he still almost managed to slip away from me. Um, all the times that I hunted him, he was walking down the edge of this pipeline and cutting in into the woods and, and coming up onto this bench. And I thought I had him figured out after, you know, 13 days, you have a little bit of a, an idea what's going on. But um, he gobbled probably 30 times in the tree. And it was it was really windy that morning. And so I'm facing down the mountain and he's probably like straight behind me, but over a little bit, you know, like four or five o'clock behind me or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm facing away from him thinking that he's going to do what he normally did and walk, you know, down the pipeline and cut in and, and be right in front of me. And I just planned on sitting there, you know, I found a pretty big Oak tree that was about, you know, four foot in diameter couldn't even get your arms around it. And I thought I got good cover here. I'm just going to sit here and basically motionless until I can't take it anymore. Right. And so he flew down, like I said, he was roosted about a hundred yards from me, flew down and didn't make another peep. And it was windy. And where we're at on the mountain, the sun doesn't hit where we were at, you know, till nine, 10 o'clock. So it was about half chilly that morning. Yeah. So I'm starting to get restless and whatever. And, you know, my dad texts me at like 840 and says, you know, what's going on up there? And I said, not a dang thing. I said, it's like there's not a turkey on this whole mountain anymore. And 
had to be five, ten minutes after that, I heard the tail end of one gobble in between the gusts of wind. And it was just like, you know, meant to be type of thing. Because mm-hmm. I am terrible hearing. So anyone that's ever hunted with me knows that my hearing's terrible. So when I hear a gobble in the wind, I know he's close. So I'm sitting there. I still got my gun on my lap facing, you know, directly away from where the turkey was. And when he gobbled, he had to be, I don't know, 85, 90 yards away. And he was close enough that I knew if I moved around the backside of the tree, he could possibly spot me. So I was like, all right, I can't move. And so I'm just doing one of these numbers where I got my head turned around, you know, looking towards him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but I was looking, I had my neck strained to the point where like my eyes were starting to get a little blurry. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm thinking if this turkey actually shows up, I'm going to be like cross-eyed and mm-hmm. lightheaded and not yep. be able to shoot him anyhow. So I was like kind of trying to like rest my neck and whatever and about 40 yards in the direction he was at there's another big oak tree and one of the times I kind of looked glanced back over my shoulder he just took a step out right from behind that giant tree so he had come directly on a string towards me right in line with this big oak tree and you didn't see him till the last second no Mm -hmm. he stepped out and was right there mm-hmm. at 40 yards and, and just stood motionless. And I was like, what in the world am I going to do here? Like 13 days of this turkey and he's going to get away again because my gun is facing directly 180 degrees away from this turkey right now. And pretty soon I hear a hen yelping below me. And I thought, all right, perfect. This hen's going to come up and at least take the attention off of you know, this bird looking my direction. So he gets over and I'm sorry that the hen gets up almost to me and doesn't he, doesn't the hen go right to the gobbler and they start working almost like the hen was working away from me. Like he was going to take her right out of my life again for the 14th time. So I finally said, you know, I got to make something happen here. And he took one, one or two steps towards the hen. And I, I never did this on a Turkey before, but I will say, so nobody gets fired up about it. I do practice shooting left-handed. Um, I've done it waterfowl hunting plenty of times and I shoot a red dot. So it's a lot easier to make a, an odd shot, but I ended up spinning around and I had to shoot him left-handed. But so I made a good shot. He went right down and it was like a sigh of relief at that point. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it was kind of kind of bittersweet because I was by myself. Um, I know a lot of guys like to turkey hunt by themselves, but I don't know. I'm kind of a social person. So I every you. time I – and I hunted 12 days in a row with Allison and my dad. And the one day nobody came with me, I killed the bird. So I've been telling them that it was their fault that I couldn't get them. <laughs> but, but regardless, it was, it was one of those – cool moments you know certainly like a hunt where you have a lot of build-up but i'd prefer to not have 13 days of (laughs) build-up so but yeah those ones always mean more though you know yeah i I, i've heard guys tell and especially on the show here um 
uh, even like a uh, good example is Aaron Pascaret was on here and he said uh, the buck that he shot, he shot the first day or like the first time they went out. Yeah. And he was like, it's great. But it was like, damn. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like that's because you work so hard like yeah. most of the time and most of the seasons that when it happens that fast, it's kind of like, okay, now what? Yeah. And like you, you don't even realize and it hasn't set in that like you, you're done. The yeah. season's done. <laughs> you know, I mean, with turkey, you know, if you you buy two tags or whatever, then you, yeah. you got two tags. But, you know, I, I always tell people, hey, open the door and leave the state. You know, oh, yeah. I love this state and I, I promote this state as much as I do. But yep. I also leave this state and hunt in other states. And there's yeah. lots of opportunity out there. But yeah. you you shooting that bird and putting in those that many days in a row hunting, yeah, that, that one, it feels good. It's, oh, yeah. It's For like sure. – yeah, like you said, it's a it's a large sigh of of relief, but at the same time, it's like, damn, I really freaking earned this one, didn't I? Yeah, I told everybody, I said, you know, because it was 13 days of hunting, but it was also 13 days of me, you know, bitching and moaning to everybody about how this turkey's been kicking my butt. So mm-hmm. um, you would have swore it was going to have like inch and a half hooks and like 12 inch beard and weigh 30 pounds when i finally <laughs> finally put my hands on it but it was you know it's just your typical you know two-year-old nine and a half inch beard but i mean i was as proud as could be about it but um but I, I did end up going to michigan afterwards and i had one of those you know short quick easy hunts but <laughs> it was it was definitely nice to have one of those too after the season that i've been having well, I mean, I will tell you, you know, I'm not the the traveling turkey hunter of any kind, but I will tell you that if you are getting it done in Pennsylvania, you your odds of getting it done in another state are very high. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll argue that with anybody in the country. I yep. mean, I, yep. I've been lucky in my, you know, filming career to, to hunt turkeys in a lot of different states. Um, I've followed Jerry from the Bearded Buck around for a couple of years and, mm-hmm. and we hunted in a ton of different places and that's basically every place I've ever hunted was big, was the same outcome. We always said, you know, if, if you can get it done back home, then you at least have a really good start for about any, any state out there. Yep. I would argue that too. And I, yeah. and I do, I do argue that even with whitetail hunting now, Obviously, there are different um, scenarios. Like uh, me and a friend of mine were just talking about hunting Oklahoma, and like, there's no trees. Like, no. <laughs> so, like, that's a whole different ball game. But oh, at the yeah. same time, you know, if you're getting it done up here, then you can probably read deer and understand deer, and you speak deer, so you will oh, find yeah. a way to probably make it happen. And yeah, for sure. Pennsylvania is a bunch of freaking hillbillies that love putting on miles too. You know, we climb up and down these <laughs> yeah. mountains, pushing bear and deer all over the place. Oh yeah. So we don't mind putting the miles on up here either. So yeah, uh, that, that sets us apart for a lot of things too, because you get out West, a lot of guys are hunting from pickup trucks, not out of them. Right. Yeah. But they are scoping everything out and then they're going to get so close in the truck yeah. or whatever, and then make a stock. Yep. Whereas, a PA boy probably just run around out there without a truck oh, or yeah. water or anything. And they're like, hey, buddy, get in the truck, you dumb bastard. You know, we're yeah, going to go exactly. up over this hill. But there you are, you know, they're PA guys putting on 16 miles up and down the hills. But Yeah. Um, yeah, we uh, we started out our season in Virginia this year. And, man, those are some big mountains down there. Yeah, they <laughs> I used to too. think we had mountains, but 
not around here compared to what we were hunting down there. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah, they they definitely they got some mountains too, and I tell you, um, where we would hunt in uh, Indiana, the state of Indiana, believe it or not. So I'd probably take, give give away a little bit, but uh, the the bluffs. I mean, they're not they're not mountains, right? But they're yeah. they're bluffs, and they're like straight up and down, you know, hogbacks, and it's there's. It's just a different ball game, man. It's, yeah. it's, you know, I feel like I would rather just pack a deer up over a mountain than I would to drag it or pack it up and down those bluffs. Cause they're just like, yeah. you just fall down them and yeah. it's, it's super hard, but, um, yeah, it's nice to, to get to different places and it is. see some different terrain and stuff. And, you know, yeah, I haven't got to make it out to the Merriam's country, but that's on the itinerary for next year but um, nice tyler and tanner guys from creekside in the group they they were out in oregon this year and idaho i believe uh, you'll just have to get them on the podcast they have more than enough content from their stories today and uh or from their stories this year right that uh they could they could yeah. fill up we'll a let them episodes, spill, but, spill the beans there. yeah but the pictures they were sending me was was crazy and and uh the style of hunting and everything just being so different out there and mm-hmm. um i can't wait to to get I've out i've seen there. guys kill them birds in the snow oh yeah lots of lots of footage in the snow yeah yeah it's it's definitely a different world out there yeah not saying you can't do it here because i remember a couple seasons out here uh you know with snow flying and uh i know guys shot more than one turkey in the snow here so oh yeah for sure um, but yeah, out there, as soon as you get up in the elevation, you know, you're talking about snow, snow, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I want to flip over to a couple different things here, man. Okay. Uh, you know, we got to talking about your turkey, and, and I know that you're a turkey guy, and I know you're turkey crazy. But uh, what... Um, we need to pause for one second. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you're ready to rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? What kind of relationship do you have with filming okay because i i i I like this question because i talk to a lot of guys especially guys that self-film and yeah you know man it's so hard to when that moment comes and the deer or the turkey or the the wild hog i don't know whatever you're filming and you're out hunting is over here and you're pointing, you know, it's at two o'clock and yeah. you're, you're over at 11 o'clock and your camera set up and it just stopped and it's in the opening and you're like, but it's looking, it ain't looking at you, but it's looking through you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're like, damn it. Like <laughs> I got to get this on film because like, I know my friends have passed deer on film that like, you know they're haunted by that they're like oh yeah i shouldn't have done it i should have just shot the damn thing yeah um and i just wonder how how is your relationship with with filming is it a love hate is it just like something that you have totally committed to to where you're just like well i didn't get them on film so you know this you know this ain't what i want yeah (laughs) that's gonna be a tough answer for this for this year but um i mean my background is you know, I I started filming a long time ago, and the short version is I spent way too much money on camera gear, mm-hmm. 
and thought to myself, I got to figure out how to make money with this. So yep. I started filming some stuff, you know, um, some commercial type stuff for people. And then had a guy ask me to film his wedding just cause he knew I had this big fancy camera. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing with wedding video. So <laughs> I guess I'll try as like, as long as you don't expect anything out of this, like I'll try it. So I did it. They loved it. You know, and, and the next one I did, I charged a couple hundred bucks for, mm-hmm. and then, you know, that snowballed into here six years later, I went full time with my wedding videography business last year. So that's what I do for full time career. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously filming and video and photo is a big portion of my life right now. So um, that just has always been a part of my hunting life as well. Um, and that's sort of why we started, you know, Creekside with the YouTube stuff this year. Um, but as far as hunting goes, it's, it's definitely not like I'm not passing up stuff that's not on film. Sort of what it always boils down to is if you hunt with me, you're going to get great footage, but I don't have any great footage of my own. (laughs) It It always ends up with. You know, I got my dad who struggles to run the camera and he's usually watching the turkey come in and the camera's pointed the other direction and, you know, he's, he's just, just an old killer, I guess is the easy way to describe it. But, um, so, and then after this year with the, you know, disaster of a hunting season that I ran into, um, I didn't even have the camera along with me for, uh, my first turkey, so. Um, I definitely don't, don't get that into it, but, um, I, I try to film as much as I can and film other people as much as I can. Um, but it just, the nature of it, I guess the, the camera gear that I'm running isn't something I can just hand over to my dad or my pap or somebody to throw on. It's a little more complex than that, but, um, I'd say the, the photo end of it is probably what I like the most, you know, after the shot or, you know, even during the hunt, just photography has became a little more of my thing when it comes to the hunting than, you know, um, so that is something I want to touch into real quick because, you know, guys like you, they go down this path. Okay. And you ever, you ever heard guys as they get older, they say, Oh, I'm getting soft my old age. Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, they're, they're passing up deer that, you know, in the past or, no, maybe not even deer, whatever it is. They're passing these this wildlife up as they're hunting them. Yeah. And and you bring it up and you talk to them about it. And, oh, I'm getting soft in my old age. Oh, I just don't really feel like shooting a doe. Oh, yeah. she had two little ones with her and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, what it comes down to is I have found that it, them guys are just fulfilled and they just want to be in the woods, right? Oh, yeah. And then I've seen what a lot of guys will do is they'll pick up a camera. Yeah. And they'll shoot them deer. They'll shoot those turkey, but they're mm-hmm. not using a gun. Yeah. Right? They're using a camera. Yeah. And they get their kicks from that. Oh, yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. It does. So I feel like, um, you know, down the line, some point, I feel like Mike Miller might be, uh, might be getting, you know, just, I could see you as one of those, um, uh, uh, hundred times lenses with the, <laughs> the freaking <laughs> spotting scope out on the end of it. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, I spend as much time preseason, you know, scouting or just mm-hmm. out there with the, with the camera. And I like to, you know, think that I do have a fairly nice collection of wildlife photography, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love stacking my freezer full of <laughs> venison in the fall too. So. Right. Well, you probably, I mean, so when it comes to the whole hunting thing, are you the kind of guy that enjoys the whole process? Oh yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, we talked about the trail camera thing and, mm-hmm. and I mean, I know I, I've almost borderline burnt myself out before the season started oh, yeah, a time or sure. two. And, and we've talked about that before where I have to like, just like, sit back and be like you got to settle down and you know you're going to be burnt out by the time the season even gets here or you know halfway through the season you're not one to do it anymore and like you know you get too caught up in the process but but no i i definitely um i definitely enjoy that part of it i mean i i probably do more preseason scouting with trail cameras and binoculars for turkeys than than a lot of people feel like is necessary but um same thing for deer and mm-hmm. you know that ties right in with the the food plotting that we do and and just you know the whole process of it is a a yearly a year-round thing like you know we're not we're not always necessarily anticipating or looking forward to opening day because we have way too much stuff going on between now and then that you know it'll get here when it gets here type of thing. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, I, I, you know, I'm in the same boat and, and what, uh, actually I have, a, I have a show that's going to come out talking about this, an episode. And, uh, what it comes down to is, you know, for guys like me and you, it's how, how much, how much are we willing to put into it? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and what is the will and, and the goal and the mindset that goes into, hey, I'm going to go get that deer, that yeah. specific deer, that specific turkey. Or maybe not even specific, right? Yeah. Just this is what I'm looking for, and I know there's multiple ones like that in this area. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that's, that's basically, you know, the way I look at it. You know, it's just like hunting like a coyote, right? You're just mm-hmm. going to – you're not going to get real real choosy, right? But you're yeah. going to you're, – you're mobile and you're moving and you're going you're gonna to kill. You're out there to kill. So, yeah, for sure. Um, But what I, what I was getting at is – how much time are you willing to spend and how far are you willing to push? And then also on the flip side of it, like we were talking about, like your relationships and whether that may be your spouse or your family. And then also, yeah. you know, the thing you know, nobody thinks about is maybe you have to go to work, right? So you're, yeah. your boss becomes part of this game because yeah. you're like, hey, cold front's here. I'm sick. <laughs> and he, I mean, he knows you ain't sick. It's free yeah. cold front, right? Yeah. And that's just part of the game. So you, you, you need to set yourself up to, um, you know, have that opportunity. Because I know guys that won't take certain jobs that would better, you know, monetize them, or, you know, put them in better positions within within life. Oh yeah. Uh, but they won't take those jobs because they're yeah. set up to just take a month off immediately. You know. Yeah. And then take another month off, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. to, to go hunting yeah. or, or going on fishing trips. And I fully understand uh, yeah. what that is and what that means. But I mean, I'll, I'll say that the hunting lifestyle that I've lived is 80 to 90% of the reason I chose to 
go into business for myself. Yep. I mean, yep. Makes sense. you know, it, people that aren't hunters are not going to understand that. But I mean, that's been like my goal and my dream since I was young. Like I wanted to have my own business to where if I decide I want to go deer hunting tomorrow morning, I can do it. You know, now the, the job that I left was awesome. I mean, my coworkers, my boss, they were great. They knew what happened in the spring and in the fall with me and worked with me very well on it. Yep. But you know, there's still not, it's still not the same amount of freedom as, you know, working for yourself. So, yeah. um, that entrepreneurship is, it is beautiful, but you know, it's, it's not for everybody. And, no. I, and what I mean by that is like the way that my brain works and I guarantee the way your brain works too, is like, it's just constantly going, 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 oh, yeah. going. And there's just no, there's no rest. Like, it's like, there's no rest for the wicked. There's not yep. because it's, I'm just constantly yeah. like, what, what can I do next? What can yeah. I do next? How do uh, I, I easily, I just had this top, uh, this just had this discussion with someone today. I know I easily work twice as much, twice as hard as when I had, you know, my nine to five job, but that's, that's, you know, that was by design, you know, so I can easily decide tomorrow, you know, I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go food plot. Or I'm going to go check cameras and, and it's definitely not all, you know, me sitting around with my feet up. Like a lot of people think, um, right. I, I keep joking that I'm going to start selling t-shirts that say must be nice on them because <laughs> I, I hear that I about that. once a week, you know, it must be nice to wor- work for yourself and be able to hunt all the time. And yeah. Yeah. You know, you know how I answer that whenever people say that to me. I, <laughs> I just tell say them, yes, it is. <laughs> I just say exactly what I say. I say, "Yep, yes, it is." Yeah, <laughs> because you gotta love the hate, man. Because if yeah. if you're not getting hated on, then you're doing something wrong, right? Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. or or you're too comfortable. And anybody so, that says that they they don't understand what's what's happening. Or, well, they have you know, no idea. You know, like yeah. that's just like me going to work a 16 hour shift and then coming home and putting in a four hour shift on the podcast. And then, yeah. uh, Saturday morning, I have a wedding to go DJ from, you know, I get there at 9am or whatever to set up and then I don't get home until yeah. you know midnight one yeah. on 1am and, you know, Sunday morning rolls around and they're like, Hey, you look kind of tired. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am. But you know, yeah. like here I am in the yard cutting the grass or, yeah. or, you know, raking leaves or whatever, washing the car, helping my wife with something. And, yeah. Um, and my, my mom's a business owner and she's on the go 24 seven. And mm-hmm. so I think I get it honestly from her and, uh, but you know, it, it was definitely the best decision I've ever made. And I don't look, look to be going back to the real real jobs as people would say uh anytime soon but so it it's definitely been a been a well, good you know good the other thing is the, so the 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 world looks different man the world looks different from what it did before 2020 oh yeah and uh you yep. know some people were able to really capitalize on that yeah and that's, that's yeah if any if anything good came out of covid i'm gonna say that was probably it because yeah. i i honestly looked at things and was like man you know, I have a handful of friends that passed away early and just, you know, different things that people ran into. And it's just like, you know, makes you realize, you know, life's too short to not 
wake up every day and enjoy what you're doing. And, you know, I you hear it day in and day out. Someone just complaining or just looks miserable about their job. And it's like, you know, just go do something you like. I mean, you know, that was that was one thing that I, you know, decided to do was just, you know, do something that I could wake up every morning and not be, you know, oh man, I got to go to work today. So. Yep. No, you, you, you chose the right path for hunting. Uh, my dad's self-employed and I watch him do it all the time and he'll text me at work and be like, Hey, how's work? Just shot a nice buck. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks dude. Thanks yeah. man. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That's awesome. But, um, let's throw it in a little bit because we could do a whole episode on entrepreneurship, honest to God. Um, I want to talk about something that that's going on in in the hunting space, man, and it's it's wild to me. Really, is crazy, but that's the trail cam ban, and I want to see what your thoughts are on this, and maybe you know maybe there's ethics that you think come into play with this, and I just I want to pick your brain on on that matter. Um, as far as them banning well, cameras in places, so yeah, so um, Kansas. I believe is a full ban if I if I read it right. Yeah, I believe um, you're right on it. I think it's a full ban, whether it's public, whether it's private, or yeah. maybe it's just public. I will have to look. I don't want to uh, just put words in and in, in somebody else's mouth, but yeah. I know that as of I think two days or three days ago, Delaware, the state of Delaware, just banned trail cam use on public land. Wow. I didn't even know there was anything you could hunt in Delaware, to be honest with you. I don't think I've ever heard of anything coming out of there to hunt. You know, what's really funny is there is one little spot. I know there's a certain county down in Delaware where there's giant (laughs) whitetails. What is it like? Is like an acre and a half or something? Yeah, right, right. I feel like that state's super tiny. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like like a little kid's play set. Yeah. um, Yeah, I just... I. Okay, so here, I guess this is the way that I see it, or the way that I, I can. So the only thing that I can think that somebody could say, boy, that's a little bit too much of an advantage, would be, you know, I, I could see somebody saying, oh, you know, cell phone cameras are giving you an advantage. Well, yes, they yeah. are, but that's the whole point of them, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, And it's it's your, your selling... You know, I just had this conversation with Matt Sipling, and, and he hit it right on the head. You're selling or you're buying some time, I guess yeah. is what it is, right? Because yep. you know how much work goes into running stationary cameras. So when yeah. you have a cell phone camera, then you don't have to bother the area or, yeah. um, you know, you can hunt Pennsylvania. You can be in Pennsylvania, like you said, kicking your feet up. And it must be yeah. nice, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. and you're <laughs> and you're hunting Kansas, right? You're mm-hmm. you're watching, you're you're waiting for some camera uh, yeah. footage on 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 some land, you know, in Kansas or or whatever. But I can't. I mean, even then, man, I don't know. The the only time that I've ever seen or heard it run into it unfair. And I talked about this once before, so I'm gonna make it quick. I I know I read a story about a guy who had four trail cameras or five, maybe it was, uh, and it was line. They had him in like a certain line on his property. And he caught a picture of the deer moving one way, and he got out of his tree stand, and he cut it off, and yeah. on the other side of his property. And I read that, and I said, boy, that, that really, you know, really did give him a very big advantage, because oh, he would have sure. never even known that thing was there. Yeah, but, um, yeah I could see that. Um, for You know, for instance, if, if you own a farm in Ohio, and you're allowed to bait and hunt over bait, so right. yeah. you could... 
basically be sitting in your living room and the camera go off and oh there's yeah. a buck out back you could go out and, and shoot it shoot the deer yeah but, right um you know i i definitely it's it's like anything else i mean you could argue this the whole way back to why aren't we using sticks and rocks to hunt anymore you know as See, far as and, right, technology and and, right. and whatever yep um you know, whether it be crossbows or trail cameras or scents and lures or decoys or ground blinds. I mean, it, it literally could go back. You know, it's literally a, a preference thing. And Yep. No, you, you, know. you, you hit it right on the head, man. Um, I hear I hear guys talk about baiting, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I have hunted all these other states. I've never had to bait or, or tried to bait deer. Yeah. You know, but what I'm, what, what, what brings me into the conversation of that word? Okay. I don't like that word bait or lure. Yeah. Because what is baiting or luring? Okay. Because I use calls in my baiting and luring a deer. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's what, and I'm just, you know, I'm touching on what you were saying about like the technology. Yeah. You know, so there's a, there's a play on that. I like the food plot versus corn yeah, pile debate right, right. as well. <laughs> yeah. See, see, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, or you could go hunt over a cornfield, but you know, yeah. uh, the squirrels have all of the corn stacked right there in that one spot yeah. or the groundhogs or the crows or whatever. It's all yep. sitting right there. And yeah. uh, the deer or, or the bear, you know, go off a video of bear in there. He drags all your shit around, all your corn yeah. stalks laying all over the place. But, yeah. Oh, I mean, you, legally in Pennsylvania, this this came right from a game warden. Yeah. If the the grain cart, you know, driver takes a turn too much and he dumps out a hundred pounds of corn, you're allowed to put a tree stand up over there because it it hunted or it ended up there during normal farming practices. Yeah. But, you know, obviously we grew up not being able to bait, but if they make baiting legal next week in pennsylvania probably a lot of people are going to be going out and getting bags of corn and you know <laughs> boy farmers would like that huh? oh yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> the shelled corn market go booming yeah exactly <laughs> um, i don't think that you'll see it up here in pennsylvania man. oh you no know, definitely reason... not in our area with cwd but that's right i was gonna I say mean, the only reason no. i don't think you will is because of uh yeah because of disease practices that's... yeah that's a whole nother podcast, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, back I, back to the yeah, trail. I don't cameras. want to get into that on this one. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, we we use a lot of cell cameras. We, you know, between my yeah, dad and I, right? And, you were talking buddies, about it. You know, we we probably run twenty five cell cameras That's, a year, and I'm impressed. Um, it's just, it's been a, you know, more of a. It's I don't, a toll. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a toll. Um, mm-hmm it becomes a little bit obsessive, you know, right. <laughs> I sure. wake up in the middle of the night to look at my yeah. cameras and, uh, you know, worrying, worrying about what buck is, you know, yeah, running know. where or whatever. But I mean, it, it definitely helps. I mean, I, the biggest thing for us is like, we have a camp, you know, two hours from here and it's nice to have cameras running up there and see what's going on. And yeah, for sure. You know, and, yep. and I would say the biggest thing, from a deer hunting point of view, I guess would be the rut. Like, you know, you check your cameras during the rut. Um, most of the time, even if you check them every week, by the time you check them, you know, 
if you've ever watched any of the Drury stuff, you know, the, the different phases of the rut, mm-hmm. they go pretty quickly. And by the time you check your camera a week later, that deer's doing something completely different. Yeah. Well, sure. when he's standing at a scrape and your camera rings, you know right now what phase of the rut's going on in your area. So, and, but I, I'm saying I'm neutral on the whole thing because as far as that goes, I see how that could be an advantage mm-hmm. over not having that you know, capability. And, right. and the thing is, um, like all of these advancements, like four to 500 feet per second crossbows, you know, the different scents and lures, the food plots, all this stuff. It's all great. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's the same reason why you're driving a Chevy truck around and not a model T Ford anymore. You know, it's, it's advancements in technology, but The one thing that none of that does is it doesn't help the shared resource that is turkeys or deer, you know. So there needs to be a little bit more emphasis on the conservation side of things too. You know, people need to, to worry about that a little bit as well, I think. You know, because it's certainly allowing more people to to kill deer and turkeys you know with crossbows being legal for everyone for mm-hmm. you know ground blinds and decoys with turkeys i mean right you know anybody that's hunted turkeys in a ground blind with decoys knows that it's almost too easy <laughs> you know to a certain point so yeah the amount of turkeys that are able to be killed using that method is way more than if you're just sitting out against a tree with a, a wing bone call or whatever. So right. it, it definitely like, it might not seem like a big deal. Like if you're looking at it on a small scale, but when you're looking at the whole state over the next 20 years, you know, what are, I don't have any kids, but you do. What are your kids going to be, you know, mm-hmm. looking like from a hunting standpoint, well, 20, you know, 15, 20 years from now. What, what I have said in the past is my I, I use cameras for two things. One is a tool. The other is for leisure. Yeah. Okay? Because I just want to see animals. Oh, yeah. And I, and I, I just I, I'm, I feel more connected in the woods when I have those cameras there. It gets – I feel giddy. Yeah. I mean, I feel like <laughs> I'm going to get, like, a, a freaking Christmas present when I yeah. go in to get that SD card and switch yep. them out. Because I'm like, what's on there? I'm like, I look like a Tyrone Biggums from Chappelle's show. I'm scratching my neck. I'm like, hey, <laughs> y'all got yeah. any of them SD cards? Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I what I think, I think what hurts here is, okay, so you want to start deer hunting. Okay, first, step one, buy a trail camera, right? Like, it's like this cookie-cutter thing now. And what, what I don't like is, like, guys, you got to have some woodsmanship here. Like, you don't just, you know, you don't just go stick a camera on a tree and say, oh, I'm going to hunt here. This is nice. Because there's other things that you need to be looking for. And you don't even need a camera. You know, I don't know how many times I went in blind and shot deer. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And sometimes I just like to do that. And I know a lot of a lot of my friends have hung trail cameras up totally. And they just don't. They won't get them out anymore. And they yeah. just. They want to go in. They want to hunt blind, and they have fun doing it. And I and I understand. I just get so curious, and and I am a little bit of a planner, 
So I'm like, well, if I know that this deer is around here, then I want to be in that area. And you know yeah. how it is. Um, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, we've had the discussion, you know, about with kids, you know, getting kids in involved in hunting and stuff like, you know, back when we both started hunting, you had to be 12 to start hunting, mm-hmm. you know, and now all of a sudden you're essentially your four-year-old could go hunting if, if you oh, think yeah. that, that it, you know, is a good idea. Right. But, um, I, I think that's great. Like I like being able to get kids involved and stuff, but there was a certain, you know, feeling of accomplishment when like I went along with my dad or my pap when I was seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old mm-hmm. and had to just watch, watch. Yep. and then knowing that, all right, I put my time in now I'm 12, I can go. And you almost had to like earn it. So now you got these, you know, five, six, seven year olds that are able to go out and, you know, sit in a ground blind and shoot a deer or shoot a turkey. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Like I, I right. promote right. that, you know, a hundred percent, but, yep. um, I see people doing that, you know, that, that same seven year old that, you know, shot their first deer at seven is 20 years old now and still has to go along with their dad and sit in, you know, a ground blind or they're not going to be able to kill a deer. Mm. And yeah. I just, <laughs> I'm nervous to how the, the future is going to look when, you know, a kid isn't going to be able to go out and find a deer trail or know that that's a buck bed or, you know, a deer bed or whatever. And, you know, if they start getting to where they're not wanting to go anymore, you know, when that percentage of people is higher than the people that are hunting, you know, uh, that's not a good thing anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not, not in the state of the, the more liberal. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, exactly. yeah, that's not good at all. No, yeah. no, that, that really weighs heavily on us. But you know, that, I, I just want to say that that goes back. That that's, that's society. Number one, because there's, Absolutely. Just, just flat out, there's a lot of nipple suckers out there. And I, I just, I'm just come out and say it. Yeah. Um, but, you know. <laughs> I'm going to use that term. <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 the other problem that derives from that is, so that 20-year-old kid that was a 7-year-old hunting with his dad, like, why was that drive never instilled in him at some point that he wanted to go get it? Yeah. Right? Like, and that's what we were talking about earlier about, like, how bad do you want it? Because we were talking about even the must-be-nice thing. People tell me all the time, boy, it must be nice to shoot a nice buck every year. You yeah. know what? Listen, you know how much time that I put in for these animals? Oh, and yeah. like The audacity for somebody to come up and say something like that to you, sometimes yeah. it just it just blows my oh, mind. Yeah. Nobody really understands. <laughs> no. They, they have no clue. And the guys that do are the guys that are listening to the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the men and women that, that put in that time. Oh, even yeah. You know, even some, some women that put in the time on the other end. And what that is is dad's not home, husband's yeah. not home, boyfriend's not oh, home, yeah. right? They're they're out in the woods and they support it on the other end, you know. Like yeah. God bless my wife, she she puts up with it. Oh yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah. it, it comes both ways, and and uh, like you said, I I don't like where where that's going either, because yeah, I 
I think that what we're doing is a good thing though. Like when we're putting out these kind of messages and we're yeah. getting people's ear, like, Hey, listen, you're, oh, yeah. you're 14 year old boy or girl and you're going to be 16 soon. And I know, you know, I think I was like 15 or so when my dad's like, okay, like the nest is, it's empty. Like you yeah, gotta go. find your own spot. <laughs> yeah. You got to go. Like, I don't yeah. know where you're going, but you need to go. And yeah. You need to go kill your own deer. And yeah. I still bounce stuff off of them, but you oh, know, yeah. uh, like I said, my mind's always racing and in, in his mind, we, I was just talking to another guy about this the other day and I would tell my dad, well, I found this nice rub. And then there was this, you know, there was three scrapes around this white oak and the white oaks were, were dropping. And I know this is a really good spot. And he's like, dude, how much deer shit was there? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know. And he's like, well, then how do you know there's deer there? And I'm like, well, there was sign. He said, yeah, but how often are they there? And I'm like, damn it, dude. Like, why do I always <laughs> overthink this shit? Like, yeah. You know, and, and uh, yeah, like that's just one of the things I try to tell people, you know, just, and, and that's the other thing with trail cameras I wanted to touch on real quick. How many times has a trail camera told you, you need to be here. And really you didn't feel like you did, but you did because the trail camera said you need to be there, but your gut said you should have been somewhere else. Yeah. Or flip that around. Right. And <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I can tell you right near, I'm sitting in my office looking at my wall of trail cameras here. I have all stored on my little shelf here and mm-hmm. I have about every brand you can think of maybe mm-hmm. minus a few, but, um, there isn't one single camera here. I got a, a $35 wild game innovations camera mm-hmm. and I got a $600 Reconic cell camera mm-hmm. and every single one of them has an issue with them that, you know, some are better than others, but other, you know, for the most part, there's something wrong in some aspect with every one of them cameras and they are not 100% foolproof. And I can tell you, and whether people, others, you know, people listening want to admit this, there's been a ton of times where I have not went to a spot because I didn't have a deer on a camera there. Mm -hmm. And knowing that that deer could just walk six inches behind that camera and I'd never get a picture of him. And I think that happens so many times. Oh. I, I, I guarantee oh. it happens to myself. Um, but it probably happens a lot more. Like trail cameras probably save as many deer as they kill. That's funny. You're probably so, right. You but, know, especially I want to say, I do want to touch on that real quick too, because I know for a fact, how many pictures have you got of a deer that like a big buck or a mature doe that look at your camera and then you don't see him again? You don't. Oh yeah. And and they'll skirt that camera. They will. Yeah, they'll still sure. be there, but they'll yep. skirt the camera. I think that's one benefit of the cell cameras. You can get them out early when when maybe those deer aren't, you know, really paying much attention to them, but um definitely before cell cameras, you know, you you get real antsy to go check them and you're wanting to check them, you know, weekly and whatever and oh, yeah, and you can sure. absolutely condition a deer to know where your camera is. Maybe not the exact camera. I mean, right. I know some of them, you can clearly tell that, okay, he saw that flash go off and, and maybe not come back by there. But right, um, right. just going going in and checking them, you know, you're putting scent everywhere and you're yep. basically saying, don't come here. So, yeah, for sure. I mean. Check them on your way out is what I In the last few years, um, you know, we've, we've started doing this a lot and it, it's pretty interesting, but we'll go out like this time of year and we'll put a camera and we'll just let it, we'll let it there till 
March of next year. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see what happens in certain spots over a year when you're not in there messing around. And, you know, if, if I have like a hunch that, all right, I found this Oak flat that I want to hunt, but you know, I'll throw a camera up there and I'll, I'll go back and get it in a year. And then maybe I'll dive into hunting it after the fact, but um, that's been pretty interesting tactic that's, that I've started using lately. And um, I love it. Yep. It's cool I'd, to see what happens to a, you know, a certain spot over a course of a year. But I do the same thing. So. Or else you go back and the camera didn't work or it got stolen or eaten by a bear and that throws all that out the window. <laughs> oh, man. God just asked me the other day about, he said he had a bear problem with his cameras. And I said, oh, you my know, gosh. I have a spot where I had two. And I started wearing rubber gloves in to put the camera on. Oh, I could go on for two more hours about bears. I mean, we have a property that I, I if I wanted to shoot a bear there, I, I keep telling people that just give me all your old trail cameras. I'm just going to hang them up and basically <laughs> be like hunting over bait because <laughs> they, they find my cameras and they just, I don't know. But yeah. we, our, we have a camera or we have a, our camp is in driftwood PA, you know, and it's pretty, pretty loaded with bears up there and I'll hang a camera up and 10 bears could walk by it and not even touch it. But this one property, you know, back home here, I'll put a camera up and it's just like instantly a bear will be in there. And I've done so many different things. My next step is to put metal bear boxes out and hook batteries to them. Like, I don't know what else to do at this (laughs) point. Like I've put, I've made like these medieval looking camera boxes where I got nails sticking out of them so that they don't mess with them. And I'll try putting them up in the air and then the cubs will climb up and they just use them as play toys. And they love antennas on cellular cameras. So yeah, chew on them it's just, off. it's just an ongoing issue with the bears. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny, man. I, I see that more and more and um, Pennsylvania's bear population had just exploded. Now I know this year they knocked them down pretty good from what I seen. Yeah. Um, the, the harvest was real high this year, but, uh, you know, that is no thanks to a, a certain guy that I would like to get on the show and I am going to reach out to him and I think, I think maybe he'll give us some time and that's, uh, that's Dr. Gary Alt and I, I'd like to have a conversation with him about some bear stuff and, yeah. and definitely some whitetail stuff because we are reaping the benefits of some of the stuff that he did that was very, very controversial at the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I will tell you that I'm a very large fan and I may have not been because of you know, what I grew up around, mm-hmm. whenever the antler restrictions come in, I remember the, maybe some F-bombs flying around a lot. Oh, yeah. And um, now, that's that's religion around Pennsylvania. I mean, people, you know, we love our antler restrictions for the most part. Oh, yeah. And Yeah, uh, I don't. I mean, so that was all right, right about when, I don't remember exactly, but it was very close to when I started hunting and went from a youth hunter to adult hunter because I remember thinking, man, how in the world am I going to count three points on this thing when it's coming in? But, you know, I mean, I, I can say, you know, it, it's definitely been a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, for sure. I agree. I know some guys will come in talk about you know oh well you know that now, now that little spike's breeding all the does or whatever yeah. well then shoot them does shoot them too 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they need killing too, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to get on here and preach about the no doe hunting thing because um, I, I go and I kill does. Oh, so, yeah. You uh, don't. You you don't want to come at me with no doe hunting. <laughs> yeah, I'm the wrong guy. I'm the guy you bring in whenever yeah, you got too many. Absolutely. Does yeah. Because I got that switch and I'll flip that switch and my I I just I can go in and I can do some killing for you if you need. Oh yeah. I so. I don't ever. My dad always tells me he's like, you know why you don't kill any bucks, right? He's like, because you shoot the first doe that walks by every time, and he's not wrong. But right. <laughs> I mean, I just love the. Well, I, I get just stack, as man. jacked I, up for that I as do I do too. anything I else. It. But I love it. As soon as you know, anything and uh, that... we—I mean—we're about to buy another freezer for venison here. So, yeah. thankfully, Allison likes to eat venison as much as I do. So we, we. Uh, I bet you ours, our house is probably at—I'd say on average at least at least twice a week at least. Oh yeah, we're at yeah. least there, if not more. But, right, three times a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's. You're not gonna have. You're not gonna stop me from buying doe tags, for you know? sure. Because I, I've never been. I haven't been on a property around my area, and we're right in the quote unquote CWD hotspot. I haven't mm. been on any property that doesn't need does thinned out. So yeah. you're not gonna convince me of that. But yeah. So, I'm but yeah, you wanna I'm... you wanna have a good discussion about deer biology? I need to get you in touch with Kip. Kip Adams okay. from the NDA. Okay. He'll well, talk he'll talk to gonna, you for We'll talk more about that later yeah, on. For sure. But yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> I, I'm very interested in that. So um I want to flip over to a, a hunting reset, man. Okay. You know, because uh when I say a hunting reset, oh man, it gets wild. Like the season, like you said, I would say whenever August comes you know, my, my eyes start to glaze over and I get into that freaking wolf mode. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's like I'm leaving here at like 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. and I'm going to the game lands. And I'm, you know, I've got my backpack ready to rock and roll. And, you know, my wife's trying to get a hold of me by 11. Yeah. You know, are you coming home? And, I mean, that's why I'm leaving so early. Yeah. You know, because I need to come home and I know I need to be home, but. I want to be in the woods. Yeah. And I'm trying to, you know, you got to try to, to split hairs and, and, and split your time correctly. But, um, you know, what happens, though, is I'll go on a hunting trip. And let's say, like, I know I went on a hunting trip a couple, couple years, probably three years ago, I think. And I sat. Now, this 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 is what I wanted to do. I knew I was in the hot spot. I knew where the, there was large, mature bucks in this area. And I sat on my ass from dark to dark for five days. <laughs> and um day six rolled around and i i i muffed i muffed the punt i did the deer come in i i made a bad shot i didn't get him and uh but what i'm saying is so then i had i i knew and i had to step back and reset and i was just yeah. just smoked man i was burnt i didn't have nothing left i i i was almost i'm gonna say i wasn't losing the enjoyment for it but it got to be monotonous yeah. you know and uh, I want to see what how you feel about that. Like, what do you need to step back and take a hunting reset? Is there a certain time of the year you you do that, or do you do in season? You know, hey, it's raining. Hey, uh, you know, I'm just not going to. It's Sunday. You know, I could go check my trail cameras. I could go scouting or whatever. 
But yeah, I just need... you sure as heck can't go hunting. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well, don't don't even get me started because that's all I talk about on this show. Yeah, I, I know. I figured I would throw that in there. <laughs> oh man, I hate that shit. I I just I just grip my teeth every time I think of it. Yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. It soon. will. It's coming. It's coming. I know. I I've yeah. talked to the right people, and the right people are involved, and it's coming. Yeah, um, I would say before two years ago, yeah, I would get burn out on stuff like i said i'd start food plots in june and you know planting in august and it would just be a process trail cameras the whole nine yards but mm-hmm. um two years ago i got into waterfowl hunting and not that i needed another hobby or I was anything gonna say, oh goodness but God. A, a few of my buddies they they would always tell me like dude you got to come waterfowl hunting you're gonna you won't even want to bow hunt anymore and i was like you know there's no way that's happening. Right, exactly. But I will say there was a slight amount of truth to that because two years ago, I spent the second week of November scouting for ducks and geese more than I did sitting in a tree stand. Damn. And it became a little bit of an obsession. But, um, I mean, I'm not exactly the most patient person. Anybody that knows me can confirm that. So... Waterfowl is, right. you know, a lot of sense. on the go scouting. You know, you, you, most of waterfowl season for us is spent in the truck scouting. You know, for potentially we'll scout for five days to have one one good hunt, and most of the time for that you're sitting around, you know, BSing with your buddies, and then you know somebody yells ducks or geese, and then you you go into hide mode for a little bit, and then shoot a couple, and then get back to talking. So, um. It's definitely a complete 180 from your typical, you know, deer season where you're sitting in a tree with a bow and, you know, yourself. Um, So I think that's why I enjoy it so much. Um, But it that's sort of my way of resetting, I guess. Um, I uh, spend a lot of time doing that and try to bounce back and forth between the two. Um, you know, I'm fortunate with my career now that I don't have to, you know, just hunt Saturdays or, you know, a a lot of guys, that's all they have to hunt or, you know, Fridays or whatever. So, um, if I know the weather's bad or, you know, things aren't happening, that's when I'll, you know, mix it up and I'll go duck hunt for a couple days or, or scout or something like that. So, um, that's an advantage, I guess, of my career. Mm-hmm, for sure. But, um, and that's what kind of keeps me, you know, sane, I guess. <laughs> but I definitely know what you mean by, you know, spending a week sitting in a tree for, you know, hope to see a deer dark to dark and and then finally having the chance and then, you know, not not succeeding. But that definitely can mentally drain you, but... Um, you know, I would say that's, that's my way to, to reset would be doing other stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, 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 you know, I do, like you said, they're pretty much the same. Um, I, I try to make time for that reset. And even if I wake up in the morning and I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, I mean, I want to go and I know I need to be there, but. Maybe let me just gather my thoughts, sleep in, 
right? And what I mean by sleeping is, you know, okay, so 7 o'clock instead of 4.30 a.m. And then I'll get in my truck. I'll drink my coffee, you know. Of course, I'll take, uh, you know, some some toilet paper with me because we all know how that ends. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to be missing a sock by 8.30. Yeah, right, exactly. So, uh, you know, I'll fertilize the woods and I'll, I'll... I'll have my thoughts gathered that by then it'll be like light out. So I know I'm going to be able to climb into a good tree if I'm, if I'm hunting out of a tree, you know, because I think that we've all fall victim that anybody who's mobile has one in the woods in the morning and gotten a tree that they probably shouldn't have. And <laughs> yeah. you get, you get up there and you're like, I can't shoot out of this thing. One day I climbed into a dead tree and I was like, what the, f- like, what the hell am I yeah. doing? <laughs> you know? And I, I, I just should have known better. It just looked like a good tree. But once I got, you know, it got lighter, and I looked up, and I seen the tree was dead, and I'm like, "What the hell was it? It was an ash tree, and it was all bored out." But yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's something I think that guys should look into making time for is just, you know, instead of just pushing like that, like there's there's nothing wrong with that, man. Like, you 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 just sleep in or whatever, and you go out and get it in the morning. And I even know guys that will sleep in in the morning sometimes after like a long you know a long three days hunting or whatever. And then they'll go in at noon, right? Where where most guys might be coming out to eat lunch or whatever. They're going in. They're going to go set up a nice setup, and they're going to sit till dark, right? And that's that's just different ways, different strokes for different folks. But um, I want to I want to get into some some other stuff here real quick, man. Uh, I want to know something you think that the Pennsylvania does really well when it comes to hunting. And then on the flip side of that, I want to know something you think that needs changed or something that needs looked at. And you know what? It can't be Sunday hunting because I already know how you feel about Sunday <laughs> hunting. And uh, yes, I already know that. So yeah. it's got to be something else. All right. Um, I would say the stuff they do well would be um, the turkey season. I know okay. that's very controversial between right. people. Yes, but it is. I, I mean... I don't think it's bad because I, I feel like, and not to sound like an asshole, but if everybody could hunt the week before youth season, there wouldn't be any turkeys left in a couple mm-hmm. years. I got you. You know, I mean, because the guys that, I don't know, the it would make it a lot easier. I mean, everybody We could just go that. to other people's states and shoot their turkeys early. How about that? Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's what I like to do. You know, I use that time to go out and take pictures because turkeys are doing their thing everywhere you look, you know. So, um, I would say they, they definitely have that. That's sort of a controversial thing. Um, I like that they added a lot of bear seasons. You know, we have a lot more bears in my area than we ever have so i like that they added that mm-hmm. um oh, what else do they do good i don't know how about um, i like how we're finally getting rid of the pink envelope thing like there you go like yeah, uh nice. we're not prehistoric anymore with that <laughs> which could also be an answer to my next question like some of the stuff that we're behind on as far as technology um but one of the things i'd like to see them do yeah is and maybe you can tell me or some of our listeners could tell us um you know different 
issues that come up, whether it be harvest data or whatever. Like, I feel like they could probably enforce some stuff a little bit more that would allow them to get the data that they need. The biggest thing I'm thinking of is report cards, which Mm -hmm. probably nine out of 10 people listening to this are going to be like, what's a report card, you know? And I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I mean, you know, the statute of limitations probably is up for this, but um, I haven't filled out every report card that I've ever, you know, needed to. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when it comes to certain, even for non-harvests, um, I think they could make maybe crack down a little bit on making people report. And I, I don't know. I feel like it would be a pretty easy thing to do. So a couple years back, we, I don't know if it was in your area or not, but the very beginning of CWD, um, they had DMA tags. Yep. Um, I don't know if you remember if those oh, yeah. or if they were in your area or not, yep. but yep, they were. I remember. Okay. So it wasn't a, it was a separate tag that was good for your disease management area. Uh-huh. For antlerless only. Yes. And if you got one of those, and I believe DMAPs and maybe the second turkey tag was like this too at one point, if you didn't report it successful or not you were not eligible for that next year. Yeah, yep. And, you know, a lot of times when you talk to, you know, higher up people in the game commission, they, they talk about the, the lack of data that they have. And I feel like, you know, if, let's be honest, everybody has a cell phone. Most people, I mean, some people don't, but right. for I the would, most... I would venture to say that it's probably 80%. Yeah, and... It's fairly simple process now to get on your cell phone or your computer and report your harvest, whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. I feel like if they made it to where you had to do that with all of your tags, deer, turkey, bobcat, fisher, whatever, and they make some kind of circumstance where if you don't do it, something happens next year, whether it be, you know, I I know as well as you, if you tell me I have to report my buck tag, whether I killed or didn't, or else I don't get one next year, someone's going to take the five minutes to go report it. And now they have 100% data from the entire state. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a few different issues that I've listened to that, you know, their answer was, oh, we don't have enough data. You know, one was one was the the Sunday hunting that we have in, in rifle season. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody asked a question on another podcast I listened to um, to someone from the Game Commission on how many how many deer were harvested on that first Sunday we were allowed to hunt in, in rifle season? Yeah. And they just plain had no answer to it. Yeah. That's crazy. And I don't know the details of, of what that information would have done, but 
I just feel like they're a little bit lazy on <laughs> that end as far as gathering data. I think that, I mean, I don't know. You tell me if you can think of any reasons why that would be a negative if, if they tell people that they have to report their harvest or they can't get that tag next year. I mean, you know, so are they going to lose that many license sales? No, or, no they're not. Know? They're not. But we're, I don't think that this is negative or anything like that. But so the, the, the deer, like the deer management game is insane. Oh, You're yeah. talking about, I mean, and I, we just, just, just going back into what we were talking about with Dr. Gary all, yeah. I mean, you know, the guy was receiving death threats Yeah. and like, he was a bear, he was a bear guy for years, forever. And you know, when, whenever he transitioned over to the white, I can't imagine what that was like. And he probably knew what he was getting into because the, the whitetail game is crazy, man. And people don't know what the hell they're talking about. You know, everybody wants to see more deer. You know, so well, we're not going to shoot the does. Well, that's yeah. fine, but guess what? There's consequences to that, and the deer will flat out ruin a whole habitat and kill themselves. They'll do it. Oh yeah. There's just nothing left to eat. You know, so when they're not managed properly, and that's what you got to tell. I don't want to use the word, but liberal people, um, that these animals have to be killed. We're not just yeah. out, we're not just not gunning them down, right? No. Um, there's a whole different, we're, we're hunters, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're not, I don't want to, I'm not a guy that will tell you that I harvest anything cause I kill things. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I go out and I kill them and I eat them yeah. right? and I don't care who that offends. Uh, it's just the way I was raised and I'm going to hunt whether it's legal or not. And I'm not going to promote doing anything illegal, but I'm just saying, you know, if our, if, if they take our hunting, you know, like we're, we won't be infringed upon and we won't, you know, we won't be tread on either. We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to live a certain way. Yeah, for um, sure. But uh, you know, what I was getting into as far as like the, the state not doing that, I, I don't know why they wouldn't do that because I, I'm fully on agreement with you. So Ohio used to have a, a check-in system whenever yeah. I was younger. And we would kill a deer and you'd have to take it like there was plenty of bars and stuff like that. But that was number one. It was really good for the local business. Right. Because then, you know, dad takes me and my brother or whatever. We just shot a nice buck and they weigh it. They they look they take a look at it. There was a couple little things they filled out in the piece of paper. And then uh, they put it. They, they snapped like a like a tag on it, like a, a steel tag on its back leg. Yeah. And then in the meanwhile, my dad is there with my brother and I or whatever, and we're getting bags of chips and maybe my dad has a beer or whatever, and we're getting sodas and maybe order food or whatever while we're at these check-in places. So there's a, there's a local economy uh, that you, that, that you can get going with something like that. Now they got rid of that, but what they have over there now is I believe it's 48 hours and you have to call in your kill. You can either call it in or you can get on, on the computer like you were saying. But so now they've catered to both sides. And if, so what happens is, so say I wouldn't, I shot that deer Thursday, I'm bringing it home Sunday, and we get stopped. That mm. deer's not legal, and it's too late. Yeah. Right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So now the game warden's going to take my deer, right? And I'm going to get a fine at the same time, so now I'm not only going to get a fine, I'm also going to get uh, my deer taken from me. Yeah. So uh, why, yeah, why they wouldn't do it, I don't know. There's plenty of ways they could do it, and that's just one option. And I think you're right, and I've brought this up in the past, that they need to find a better way to, to get the numbers on kills. Yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to add that I think that the state could change and do a little bit better on is, you know that there's no such thing as a mercy kill in our state? 
as and far we'll, as like so, finding a wounded deer. Yep, wounded deer okay. comes comes by you. It has two legs. I don't know. It has three legs. Whatever it is, and it, yeah. and you know, and it's it's you yeah. know, it's not that it's it has three legs. Like I've seen three legged deer, but oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying. It's the third day. One is clearly not going to make it. That's right. And yeah. then you knock that deer down, and it's a four point. That's an illegal kill. Yeah. There's no and Absolutely, if or is yeah. about about it. If you call the game warden and you tell him, hey, it was a mercy kill, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that just that's crazy to me. That blows yeah, my I, mind. Yeah, I could agree with that too. So I know. Get me wrong. Is there people that would take advantage of some type of mercy kill? You know, oh, well, it was oh a mercy yeah, kill. yeah, yeah. I'm it looked sure. like it was hurt. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm sure. But and that know, those are the type. Unfortunately, those are the the reasons for most rolls is people that yeah are out. going to break them. But that's right. That's yeah. right. But you're never gonna have it all perfect anyway. So, no. um, yeah. I would like to see something set in place. Uh, yeah, you know, because. They're able to to grab a hold of my gun and tell me whether I shot it or not that day. So I think that we could look at a deer and say it was going to make it or not. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I, I would, would like to see something like that change. Just because I was part of a situation. Uh, I was around some guys, and I, I had known of this deer that they shot earlier in the day. Yeah. And uh, we weren't hunting with that work with that group. But when we got checked out later in the day, the game board mentioned that they find some guys for shooting a four point, And the guy told him it was a mercy kill. Well, we weren't far. We seen that deer. Um, yeah. We were pushing some deer around and yeah, it was, I, I believe it was a mercy kill. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they said, they, I mean, they said they find him and they took the deer. So I could see him. Hey, you know, the guy's going to pay the 25, $30 fine, $50 fine, whatever it is. But I, Hi, you know, how are you going to take the deer then, too? That yeah. just, I don't like that. There's probably a handful of people that, you know, know they only have one buck tag that even if it was a legal buck, but maybe maybe it's small and they don't want to, you know, burn their tag on that one necessarily that that yeah. would potentially let a, a wounded, deer, wounded go. deer go by uh-huh. because of that. And, you know, right. I mean, not saying they're wrong or right, but right. You know, I'd have a hard Situational. time. Situational. Really I've is. never personally had that happen where I was hunting and had, you know, that happen, but I, I could see why it would be become an issue, but well, you know, that's one of them things that it's, it's situational. Yeah. And it's just, it's something I think that they could look into and maybe try to make something. I don't know. Maybe they don't. And it just is what it is, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just expressing some, some opinions on stuff, but, um, one more thing that they yeah. did did really well that might lose a few friends for me here is <laughs> taking taking uh, rifle season back to Saturday. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I enjoyed that thoroughly, but I work a lot, so yeah, of course I would. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I I mean so, if it, I love it, it's very it's simple. Awesome. We we have two more days to hunt. Anybody that's against that, you're an idiot. I think you're crazy. <laughs> You don't have to cut that out either if you don't want yeah. to. <laughs> no, trust me, I won't cut it out. And I, I will tell you, um, you know, y- there's lots of other states that surround us that, like, you know, Ohio, I can hunt from the last week of September yeah, until the middle of February with my bow. Yeah, every single day. Every day. Yeah. I think South Carolina, you can do that with a rifle. Yeah, that's yeah. wild, man. That's yeah. wild. Now, now you, you couldn't do that, you know, you obviously you couldn't have... You couldn't have that in PA, you know what I mean? No, the the no. rifle season is grueling as it is. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, um, I wouldn't mind that 
being shortened up a little bit, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that there's a lot of guys that would agree with you on that. Would well, yeah. you remember? You remember? You're old enough to remember the three day doe. I I wasn't old enough to hunt then, but it was that was you the times where I was along for the ride kind yeah, of deal. Me too. And me too. And yeah. But I don't want that. I don't want to only be able to shoot does for three days. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. You remember how it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, and for I, sure. I mean, and, and, then, and we're not. It's just. It's different. Different. Yeah. Now in every aspect of life, really. But than it was back then. But. Oh, um, geez. I can. I yeah. can remember when they did the open season for two weeks. And, yeah. and that was new thing. Boy, I yeah. remember the gunshots I heard on that first day. I'll never forget how many gunshots I heard. And I. Yeah. I was just sitting in my tree stand thinking. These deer are all dead. There's oh, no yeah. deer left. You know, yeah. was I? I you know I was wrong, yeah. and I was young and dumb, and and all that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I also remember when they opened the water tower up in Glendale. So, yeah. uh, if if you never hunted up there, so Glendale Water Tower, man, there was deer. There was so many deer up there. It was crazy, and they opened it for flintlock only. Okay. And it was awesome. Really? It was so much fun, dude. There yeah. was, I don't know how many rounds I fired that day. Yeah. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and unfortunately, I still don't agree with it, but they opened it for the rifles after that. And it was, you know what I mean? Uh, it was, yeah. it was the massacre. But when yeah. it was, when it was flintlock only, dude, it was so much fun yeah. in there. I'll never forget Since that. Since you about. mentioned flintlock, that's one thing uh, that personally doesn't really affect me because i archery hunt but i know a few guys that are big into the flintlock world that are flintlock specific not just muzzleloaders like Mm -hmm. they're they're all flintlock and they sort of feel left out because they have no chance to shoot a buck with a flintlock until after everybody and their brother has been you know combed through and and i get it i mean but also from a overall you know what are the amount of people in the whole state that only want to hunt with a flintlock so what what uh what do you think that they would want to see then um i guess a chance to shoot a buck early with a flintlock before rifle season which you you could argue like during the early muzzleloader where it's only only antlerless um but there would there'd be no way to to differentiate like you can hunt that season for a buck if you're using a flintlock but if you're using um inline you can't i mean Mm -hmm. you know you gotta think about the the amount of you know yeah wardens that we have on patrol and like i don't i don't think it would it'd be a logistical nightmare but oh my god i can't yeah but i don't know that would be so hard it sounds good on paper but i mean you know when you know when they could do it would be during that bear season after archery season yeah yeah that would be a flintlock only yeah that would be possible for sure that would be pretty cool yeah um but yeah, you know, uh, the only thing I've had guys talk to me about that too, and they're like, "Oh," I said, "Well, you know, you can use your flintlock in rifle season." And they're like, "Yeah, but why would I do that?" And I'm like, yeah. Well, <laughs> yep. Right, and that's like guys. I do know guys that take their bow in rifle season, and I, you know, hats off to them. Yeah. And uh, I've had guys ask me like, "Am I allowed to take my bow?" I said, "Yeah, it's it's a, it's any lesser weapon, yeah. a rifle or any lesser." Yeah, absolutely. So, but I always thought that would be cool if I was tagged out. To t- you know, if I would shoot a buck early, I'd think it'd be cool to take the bow during rifle, but um, 
<laughs> haven't got that lucky yet. <laughs> no. No, I thought about doing it before, and I just was like, you know, I just – yeah. What I love about my rifle season is I just love putting the miles on and, and the camaraderie. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and and the biggest thing with rifle season is it's like if you go hunting as a group, whether you're driving and pushing deer or not, it's like when somebody shoots one, it's like, oh, we shot that deer. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's yep. a group effort, even if like yeah. you, the people didn't have nothing to do with it. But you always have help, too. Like guys yeah. are able to help you drag deer out and shit. In archery season, you yeah. know. You're we on play hell. Oh, we play <laughs> hell getting these deer out. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. So, um, yep, for sure. But hey, brother, we're we're running into to to a long time here. Um, I want you to let everybody know where they can find you, okay? Um, and and just just tell them what you got going on again with uh with Creekside. Yeah, um, you can find us on Instagram. That's probably where we spend the most time at Creekside Wildlife um creekside wildlife also on youtube um we're not doing a ton there right now but we're in the process of putting out some fishing videos um you know some rattlesnake stuff coming up here um so if you don't hear from us then maybe that went south i don't know but um we're working on some apparel we're doing some hats and stuff and some t-shirts and hoodies so we're going to be having that stuff available um our website's going to be creeksidewildlife.com. Um, it's under construction at the moment, but hopefully that'll be up and running here in the next couple months. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's really about it. We're, uh, just trying to do whatever we can to get outside and enjoy the outdoors and see if we can't get some stuff on film in the process. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's, it's a love hate relationship. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work and there's a lot of behind scenes stuff yeah. that nobody that nobody yeah. sees. But you know. one thing to end on, I I had this conversation before, like it sometimes I sit back, like for instance, my brother. Um he hunts maybe once or twice a year, but mm-hmm. he's not a hunter, I wouldn't say. And he and right. he would, would agree too. But I sometimes I sit there and I wonder, like, you know, obviously the the population of people that our non-hunters is way more than the hunting community, but it always makes me wonder like, what do those people wake up in the morning and like get excited for? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like right now I'm, I'm right. excited for two weeks from now to, to hunt rattlesnakes or <laughs> knowing right. that waterfowl seasons in three months. Like if you don't, don't hunt or fish <laughs> or anything, like what do people wake up and look forward to? Like football season? <laughs> I mean, I'm not yeah. a big sports guy, but like, I, I guess that's probably what people look for, but it, it always made me laugh and made me, made me think about like people that don't hunt or fish, like to the, even, even if they do one activity, like they look forward to, you know, I know some people that look forward to mushroom hunting every year and that's all they look forward to, but, or opening day of trout. But if, what do people look forward to if they don't do those kinds of things? <laughs> Yeah, I have thought of the same thing multiple times, and um, I, <laughs> I can't have, come up with anything. No, well, and I've actually, you know, talked to guys that retired from, you know, working with me, and I'm like, well, so what do you do? And they're like, oh, nothing. And I'm like, <laughs> why, why aren't you guys hunting and fishing? Yeah, like you, you, you just there's so much more you could be doing. Like, you know, you got you got to get out there. Yep. But, <laughs> hey, whatever. Oh. Yo, well, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. And yeah, man, 
absolutely love listening I, to your stuff and yeah i thoroughly enjoyed the it conversation up. it's 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 wonderful so yeah i'm sure um, it won't be the last time we sit no, down so no i know well you're too close you're too close to me now so. yeah <laughs> i got a hold gave you. away my location yeah <laughs> So, yep. but yeah, thanks for coming through, brother. Really, really appreciate the conversation. And uh, for everybody listening, if you guys have any questions about this conversation, feel free to reach out to Mike over at Creekside, and uh, um, maybe he can help you out with something. So thanks for coming on, and uh, we will talk to you soon. You have reached the end of another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. Guys, I appreciate all the love. You know how these all end. Please rate comment subscribe itunes spotify any other platforms you guys are listening on really helps the show here in the long run and i appreciate all the support and love i'll keep bringing you the episodes thank you guys for tuning in